Welcome to the Epiphany Movement Podcast. To learn more about the Epiphany Movement, visit us online at epiphanymovement.com. Today's talk comes from Pastor Drake Nelson and is a continuation of the series From Weeping to Worship. show that we've been watching it's uh it's a it's a fun it's a funny show i like it it's called the bachelorette anybody any takers okay so good the, i'm gonna fill you in so yeah the bachelorette i'll watch it so you can judge me for that i love it though me and cat we just sit on the end of our i mean it's 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 drama and you don't even have to pay for it you just sit on the, the edge of your seat and you're like what's well, gonna happen next people are crying it's awesome and so this year there was this woman um what was her name uh no, not Claire, the other one. Tasha. Yeah, there's this woman named Tasha, and she is the bachelorette. Now, there was another woman, Claire, but they kind of kicked her off, and Tasha filled in her shoes. Now, Claire, do you know how the bachelorette works? Tell me, I don't know. Do you know how this works? Okay, you know how this works. There's one woman or one man, if it's a bachelor, it's a guy. If it's a bachelorette, it's a girl. There's one girl, because we're watching the bachelorette, and there's like 15 guys, and she dates all 15 of these guys. Can you imagine me and her father? And so she dates all 15 of these guys at once, and then each week goes by, she's like, I don't really like you, you're not cute, you're not cute, I don't really like you, you, um, you know, you, whatever, whatever. And she'll just kick them all. I mean, heartless, like wrenching their heart out. And about, about the fourth or fifth week in, you have about seven or eight guys that she is really falling for, you know, that she like really is into. And so we were watching it the last three weeks ago, and there were like four people left. Four guys. It was Ben. Uh, ben uh, everybody loves Ben. He apparently is the most handsome. I don't think he's very handsome myself, but it's okay. Um, and then there was Ivan. Ivan. Ivan was my favorite. I really did like Ivan. And then there was there was Nick, and who was the eventual winner. Uh, spoiler alert. I hope you watched it and caught up on it. And then there was, who was the other guy? Like Brayden, I think. Brandon, something like that. Yeah, and, and this other guy, Brayden, Brandon, something like that. And so these four guys left. And it was so funny because... um. They have, uh, with two weeks to go, they have this thing. Do you, have you ever seen The Bachelor or The Bachelorette? You know what I'm talking about? Yay, nay, no, no, John. They have, what's it called? Second week to go, it's called the, the honey. Uh-huh. The honeymoon suite. Yes, okay, so the honeymoon suite is in the second week. So what does this mean? It means they go in this in this honeymoon suite in this room where there are no cameras, no nothing, and they just have the night to themselves. And they go with, I think, three guys. They Three, three of the guys will go in and have the honeymoon suite. Now, here's the craziest thing. There are no cameras in there. And so apparently, now here's my favorite dude, Ivan, okay, Ivan, Ivan and Tasha in the honeymoon suite had a conversation that we didn't, America didn't get to see, but they talked about later about religion. And Ivan comes up and he says, uh, did y'all watch The Bachelorette? This, did anybody watch it or is uh, it just me and you? Okay, okay, well, pray for us, okay. Um, uh, he raised his hand right there in the very back. Okay, so thank you. Me and him watched it in cat. We, um, I'm just kidding, it was a little kid. Okay, so we got to watching it, and and they had a conversation about religion, and Ivan said, um, well, Tasha, I am, I am not religious. I don't believe in God. I don't believe in, like, religion at all. 
And Tasha, it was she was so thrown off. She's like, "No way! You don't believe in God? You don't believe in religion?" And so now we're coming into this week, which is the big finale. And guess what? Tasha decides to do. She sends Ivan home because she's like, "I can't have a husband that you know it doesn't line up um, on religious thoughts as I do, and we're not both you know serving God and stuff." Which me and Kat both respected, but we got to talking about it, and we said, "This is crazy." That Tasha was like, I, I was the craziest thing. Now, here's how the, uh, every date went. Okay, here's how the dates went leading up to that week. Okay, here's how the dates went. They would, um, they would, uh, uh, they would be in their birthday suits and they would paint themselves on this big canvas and they would just roll around. Like one time they played dodgeball in their birthday suits. I mean, I can't even explain this. Like it was the craziest things. And then one day they like had to get this big microphone and just like scream the most inappropriate stuff. I mean, this is the whole season. And you're like, yeah, you're watching this straight. Well, pray for me. You know, I'm not perfect. And so I, I mean, you know, and they block everything out. And you're just watching this and me and Kat are, are sitting here to describe, like ask ourselves, Okay, okay. So Tasha says that like that her life is built on religion, and yet this is her like past like 15 days, you know, doing all this crazy stuff, and then she leaves Ivan for like religion. We're like, we just don't understand it. And then I got to thinking. I got to thinking. How many Christians live their entire life? And then when you look at the long arc of, of just their past 15 weeks or 15 months or 15 years, when you look at the past 15 days, you're like, you're like, what? You're a Christian? You're a believer? You believe in Jesus Christ? And, and so we say this, but we live lives totally contrary to what we say we believe. And here's what I would ask you before you think, oh, this isn't for me. I would ask you, when is the last time you ministered? To, when is the last time you shared your faith? When is the last time you show your faith? Like, I remember uh, meeting Kat. Our first conversation, well, our first conversation, I'll tell you about that another time. Um, um, it went something like this. What's your last name? Uh, Moultrie, like game feeding Moultrie. Okay, I'm Drake Nelson. <laughs> nice to meet you. But uh, our like, third or fourth conversation went something like this. Um, are you hungry? And she said... She was at a coke party. Like, she was in a, what, a, a tribe or club or something that they had in Mississippi College. And she said she was hungry, so I said, oh, I'm about to, get, I, I, got, I got the up and up, Miss Melanie. I'm about to go and get her a Wendy's 4 for 4 and bring it to her. Now, remember, I come from a cheap family, so Wendy's 4 for 4 is like fine dining, okay? And so I went and got a Wendy's 4 for 4, four chicken nuggets, some french fries, and a small Coke. And I'm like thinking, I'm about to, bring, I'm about to surprise Cat, bring it to her, and drop it off. But then I kind of drive by, and I see the Coke party, and I see every, all of like everybody out there. And, and um, Mississippi College had this big circle. It's called Provine Circle. And I just kind of drive through, and I just kind of see everybody. I'm in the Sonata, and so I don't have the coolest car anyways. I think I might have actually been in a different car at that time. I'm not sure. So I just kind of drive <laughs> and make a loop. <laughs> and now I'm sitting there. I'm like, okay, 
I'm going to drive by. I'm going to stop by. I'm actually going to get out and give her this food, okay? I didn't go get it for nothing, okay? So I drive by. I see everybody, and I make another loop. You know, I just do what guys do. I looped around drove by like 17 times, and I finally mustered up the courage. It's like, okay, I'm going to do it this time. People are probably like, what is the black tonight to do and loop around for the 17th time? I finally got out. I was like, uh, Kat, uh, this is for you. Actually, I just texted her. I was like, hey, meet me at the car. I got something for you. She's like, what, what, okay, what do you drive? I was like, the Sonata that's been going around here 17 times. And I gave her the little Wendy Sporting for And to this day, she would say, like, when you did that, that is what I knew. They're like, oh, you're, you're the one, sweetie, the Wendy Sporting for And so we'll go back every now and then, just like, I don't know, reminisce. But how many times in our lives would we say, you know, I'm going to share my faith today. I'm going to, I'm going to speak about Jesus today. I'm going to actually tell somebody my testimony today. And we do kind of like I did. We get around or we get in Walmart or wherever we're going and we just kind of make another circle. Ah, I'm too scared. And we make another circle and another circle until we just don't even do it. I remember like the worst thing about Drake Nelson. This is the, the, I said this, this is the second um, most shameful thing I've ever done. I'm going to share it with you today. I was walking in Walmart, I mean, in, in the mall one day, and God was laying it on my heart. There was this little kid on the bench. He was not a little kid. He was probably 15, 14, um, something like that, maybe 16. I don't know. I was about 13 years old at the time. And I remember I was walking through the mall, and God placed it on my heart to go up to this little kid and talk to him. I said, little kid, he was like, I don't know, he's older than me. Go talk to this, this kid. And I was like, oh, man, okay. And so I circled and I circled and I never shared my faith. And God pricked my heart the entire time. Mom was in there shopping at some, like, beauty shop. I don't know. And I was with her. I never shared my faith. I got in the car and started crying. Mom asked what's wrong. I said, God told me to share my faith with this little kid in there. And I was too scared to do it. Too scared to do it. And I thought, oh, my goodness. Oh, my goodness. I remember when I was, um, I remember when I was, I, I was a youth minister before this, and so I remember when I was telling my youth goodbye, they were, they were mostly probably seniors in there, but there was anywhere from 35 to 40, and I was, I was sitting there, and I was telling them goodbye, saying, you know, I'm leaving, I still love you, and, and you're, you guys are awesome, but I want to tell you, and I, I said, I want to tell you three things that are so important in your life. I said, number one is this right here. This is the most important thing that, that you will ever find. It is way more important than what I say, what any other, body, any other person says. So read this, figure this out. But number two, it was like my most important thing. Is this, they were sitting here. I said, look, do this. I said, your relationship with God is the only thing that matters. It's the only thing that matters. Nothing else in this entire world matters. The only thing that is relevant is your relationship to God and how you live that out, how you love God, and how you love other people. Everything else is going to try to distract you, pull you away. But the only thing that matters is your relationship with God. And I was like, the same thing is true for us here today. Because I was thinking about like that generation, right? Like what, like when you look at that generation, I would say from anywhere from like 12 to 21, when you look at that generation, what thoughts come into your mind? And, and even I would say even up to 30, like 12 to 30, what comes in your mind? And here's what I would say is the biggest weakness of that generation. Are you ready? I would say this, and I thought about it a lot. I thought about it a lot. It is their inability to focus in prayer. 
It is their inability to focus in prayer. And I even see this again my whole life. I'm like, I'm like okay, I now need to pray. And so I like come out here and go to the house or whatever. And I'm like, okay, I'm going to pray. Um, God, thank you for whatever, whatever. And then I'm like, it shakes like Golden State. Okay, well, I just heard it like, da 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 uh, Did y'all hear my phone in my prayer earlier? That's what my prayer life is like, you know? It's just distracted. Just distracted. And so I try to do all these crazy things. Like I would try to um, get my closet and I would sit in my closet and pray. But then my closet, um, it, it's so ma- like messy. It was just awful. And um, actually what kind of got me out of that is like a, a, a cockroach fell and got on me. So um, that was nasty. And so I would try to do these other things. Like I would go running and I would run around the track and I would run and I would jog and I would pray. And that was kind of good for a while. But then, uh, I don't know, I just started, it didn't work out. And so then I got a journal and I started journaling all my prayers to God. And that really, really helped me. It's like, ah, oh, I just need a way not to have a distracted prayer life because your prayer life is so, so important. And I can see that generation where we have like this, 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 this distracted ADD mindset where we can't focus and I wonder is that not the case of us all I wonder is that not the case of us all to where when we pray it's like oh, I gotta think about this and I gotta do the kids with this and I have to go here and I have to get and, and we cannot focus in prayer and, and, and even more than that like like I remember um, um, Griff last night I was, um, I was praying for Mr. J, and I was just sitting here, and I was praying. Actually, I was at my house when I first found out, and so me and Kat prayed together, and then they went on in the back, and I was sitting in my living room, and I just said, I need to pray for Mr. J right here, right now. And so I just um, <coughs> sat on my couch. Actually, it was a love seat or something like that. I don't know. It was like just a little chair for the foot thing. What do you call that? I don't know. The chair, you know, the foot. It's not a recliner. I was in that. Okay, yes, whatever that is. So I was sitting there, um, and I was like sitting there praying. And then Kat comes by. She's like, Dre, why do you have your socks tucked in, your sock, your pants tucked into your socks, and your hood over? It's like, this is my praying style. Don't like bother me right now. Let me just keep praying. And so I, they all, my whole family calls me a homo. It's awful. And so I'm sitting here praying, and then Kat like kind of comes up, and she puts her arm around me, and then she's sitting there, and then we both just start praying individually, silently, um, just to God for Mr. J. And I remember that moment thinking, like, God, make me more righteous. God, make me more righteous, because the prayers of a righteous man, this is what the Bible says, will be answered. It will not be hindered. And so I just remember, like, thinking that moment. Like, look at all this sin that I have in my life. And look at the things that I don't do good. I, I should be, like, sharing my faith so much more. And I should be giving my life so much more. And I should be doing so much more for the kingdom of God. Like, like I look at myself, and then I read people like Paul and people like Peter. And I hear these stories of other people and these other Christians. And I look at myself, and I'm like, you're just like the people from the bachelor. They just live their life this, this weird way and you have no real like ground and I'm sitting there thinking like God please help me become more righteous help me have a a better Bible study time let me have a better prayer life please help me become a more righteous Christian so that I can pray for Mr. J and it be answered and I can pray for Dr. Van Horn and it be answered and I can pray for sweet little Kylie and it be answered or I can pray for you or you and like God will hear my prayer and he may not answer it because it may not be in his will but I mean like at least it won't be hindered I mean God let me become more righteous 
was reading this, it was um, in, in Exodus 19, there was this passage of scripture that, um, and it's in Exodus 19, find it real quick. Catch my breath all at the same time. So you like, I'll do that. Exodus 19, starting in verse 9. Exodus 19, 9. This is, this, this is verse, verse, verse 9, chapter 19. Exodus. Then the Lord said to Moses, I will come to you in a, a thick cloud, Moses, so the people themselves can hear me when I speak with you. And then they will always trust you. So Moses told the Lord what the people said. And then the Lord told Moses, go down and prepare the people for my arrival. Consecrate them today and tomorrow and have them wash their clothing. Be sure that they are ready on the third day. For on that day, the Lord will come down on Mount Sinai as all the people watch. Mark off a boundary all around the mountain. Warn people, be careful. Do not go up to the mountain or even touch its boundaries. Anyone who touches the mountain will certainly be put to death. No hand may touch the person or the animal that crosses the boundary. You can't even touch these people. Instead, stone them or shoot them with arrows. They must be put to death. However, when the ram's horn sounds a long blast, then the people may go up to the mountain. And the first time I read this, I was thinking about it. You know, Moses said, okay, I'm going to make this boundary. Here's the Mount Sinai. I make this boundary around it. And you can't cross this boundary. You cannot cross it. And so I was like thinking like, God, like, what if... What if somebody's sheep got out? You know, like, like, bye, bye. It was like trying to find the sheep. And they just accidentally crossed over the boundary. What would happen? I mean, would they die then? I mean, would the, the, the sheep and the people, would they all just die? I mean, what if, what if it was just an accident? Or what if they just didn't hear or just didn't know? It's like, oh, like, kind of like me, you know, with everything. It's like, oh, this boundary, you're going to step right on across it, you know? Like, what? what if they didn't even know or didn't even mean to? Would, you, would they still die? Would you still think they should kill them? And I thought this was very harsh, Mr. Donnie. This is very harsh. And then I thought, the reason I think it's harsh is because I live in a generation. I live in a generation that questions God for making boundaries. I live in a generation that questions God for making boundaries. And more, I think, scary than that is that I live and that you live in a generation that finds it completely normal to come and worship God. It's completely normal. Like I was talking when I went home for Christmas with my KK. She's my aunt, my aunt KK. And I was talking with her about um, just like, uh, well, we got to talk about a lot, but eventually we started talking about church and how she was looking for a new church, and she was just telling me, like, yes, I've been going to this church my entire life, like, my whole life, I went to this one church, and I really like it, but it's just, it's just, that I, 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 we, I, we're leaving, we need something new, we need something different, 
you know, that, that we have this little um, bulletin. Does anybody have a bulletin on them right there? You have one, Mr. Dallas. She said that anybody have a bulletin, bulletin, any bulletin right here? Okay. She said that we have, thank you. She said that we have these little, little bulletins in it. And that, you know, um, we have this bulletin and that we follow it every time. I mean, I can t- exactly, I can tell you what what is when and when is what. And then the message, I can tell you exactly what it's going to be on. And, and like, even Grill texted me and was like, hey, what's the sermon title for your message or, or what um, what are you speaking on? And and I, I never I never want to be the type of person that like, look, and she was telling me how she just feels like it's just, just the same old thing. Every single Sunday, the same old thing. And how she has lost the all of coming into the presence of God. And I thought, like, I never want to be the person or the pastor, especially the pastor, that loses the awe of, like, coming in here before God and falling on my face before, I mean, God Almighty, who is, like, in heaven. And, I mean, I mean, this is not a normal thing. 2,000 years of this, and we just think it's, like, it's normal to come in here and worship God, but it's not normal. It's not normal just to pray to God in a God who made us hear our prayers and like actually answer I mean that's not normal and I, I just don't want to become the person that like like that, that, like, that, that is scared to come down here and pray before a service I don't want to become the, like the type of Christian who thinks you know um, like the reason that I didn't send um, grip, like even the message and, and I thought that maybe I could preach on this and I, I didn't really know just because like what if God tells me to change it I don't know I'm weird like that or or and I should have the freedom you know to to not lose the all, I guess is what I'm trying to say. And then I was reading um, in Exodus 30. Um, I, it, and this is the worst thing about myself. I'll go ahead and tell you this. The worst thing about Drake Nelson is that I will sit there like where you're sitting, Alex. And if another person is up here preaching, you know what I will do? Instead of praying for them, instead of praying that God will speak to them, I will critique them. Ain't that... Ain't that messed up, Will? I mean, that's messed up. Here I am, a pastor, and I'm sitting where you may be sitting. If someone is preaching, I mean, uh, you really can't convict Dr. Van Horn because it's like, you know, he's amazing. But I mean, you know, like other people that aren't so good, you're like, like, like what do you, I would do this totally different or something. And, and like, instead of praying that God would just use them and move them and, like, and have an amazing, I'll sit there and critique the worship and I was just, the, the pastor, how they would do something different. And I, and I was reading also in Exodus 33, it says this, in Exodus 33, starting in verse it says on it was Moses' practice to take the tent of meeting and set it up some distance from the camp everyone who wanted to make a request of the Lord would go to the tent of meeting outside the camp now whenever Moses would, would went out to the tent of meeting all the people would get up and stand in the entrances of their own tents and they would all watch Moses until he disappeared inside. As he went into the tent, the pillar of cloud would come down and hover over its entrance while the Lord spoke to Moses. When the people saw the cloud standing at the entrance of the tent, they would stand and bow down in front of their own tents. And I can just like, I can just see that now. I can just see that. Like, okay, so Moses would have this tent and a cloud would come down and literally, Moses would walk into the tent, and the cloud of God, like God, would come into the tent with him. I mean, could you imagine, like, if, uh, I mean, uh, Miss Amy, could you imagine if Miss Amy came down here, and, like, we just kind of unzipped the tent, and it was like, okay, come on now, Miss Amy. And she came, come down, 
and then Walt and um, Ray are like, oh, where are you going, Mom? And we just kind of zip that in there, and we were all sitting here watching, and the presence of God came down and dwelt in this tent with Miss Amy. Would we all not be just like, oh, my goodness, what is going on? Amy is in there with God. Oh, my goodness. Amy is in there with God. And, and here's what I have to tell you is that you don't need. Like I, 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 feel, I feel like this. I feel like this. I feel like, I feel like we, as in us, we would rather hear from Moses. That we would rather hear from Miss Amy, like we would rather just take a like a selfie with Moses in the tent, and we'd be like, "Hey, you're in the tent, and I'm taking a picture with you." But I came to tell you today that hello, you don't need Moses. You can go into the tent yourself. I mean, you don't have to sit here and listen to like a podcast after a podcast by Stephen Burden or Levi Lesko or Carl Lentz or Louis Giglio or whoever you like to listen to. You don't have to listen to another sermon and another sermon. I think sometimes we sermon ourselves to death and we just like we hear from other people and other pastors and we hear the latest and greatest worship song and the latest and greatest album and we listen to all these other things and like we're like, oh, we just love Hillsong or we just love, um, I don't know, we just love Francis Chan or John MacArthur or we just even love Drake Nelson or we love Dr. Van Horn and I'm just here to tell you that you don't need us. You don't need a pastor. You don't need a, you don't need your Moses. Like you can go into the tent yourself. And like pastors like me, we just beg people, like, I'll just read your Bible like five minutes a day. And when did it become so, I guess, burdensome just to open up the tent and get along with God? It's like I'm not I, I'm not gonna like really care what anybody else thinks. I'm not gonna try to listen to another sermon or another podcast. I am just going to be alone with God. Amen? I'm just going to be alone with God. I mean, I'm preaching my heart out. I hope you respect that. To where we say, you know, I don't really need, um, I, don't, I don't need Moses. And you think, I mean, I was talking to um, Mr. David, Miss Lynn, uh, help me out, Joel, and I was talking to them the other day. And do you remember how we started talking about how they led a Bible study? I thought that was so cool. And I asked Mr. Joel, I said, like, does any unbelievers go there? You know what he said? He said, absolutely. I said, where's the passion at in me where I would go lead a Bible study? I remember when I was in high school, I led a Bible study. This dude by the name of Kiwan May, he said, the best thing that ever happened to me was I watched you live out your Christian life, right? I watched you live out your Christian life. And then my brother, who had never said anything like this, Drew Nelson, he never said anything like this. He said, watching Drake live his life was the best example that I could ever go by. And it's meant so much to me. My brother was saying this, and I was sitting there listening. I'm like, where is that guy at? Where is that Drake Nelson at? Where is that passion at? And I was sitting here, like, looking like, why do I, you know, why don't we just do more? And I was sitting there thinking, like, like, like what, what, what am I doing? I mean, to live is Christ and to die is gain. Do I really believe that? And I'm thinking from, like, Exodus 33, and um, this is how it ends in Exodus 33. It says, um... 
Exodus 33, verse 11, says, inside the tent of the meeting, and, and I want to become this dude. I want so bad to become this dude. Inside the tent of meeting, the Lord would speak to Moses face to face as one speaks to a friend. And afterwards, Moses would return to the camp. Get this, Moses would return to the camp. But hear me. As Moses would return to the camp, a young man who assisted him, Joshua, the son of Nun, would remain behind in the tent. And I want to be the type of just Christian, really, to be the type of person that would remain in the tent. That I wouldn't leave whenever somebody else decided, hey, it's time to leave. Or I wouldn't just you know, put a time limit, really, on the way that we worship God. That when Moses left, I want to be the type of pastor. I want to be the type of Christian, the type of person to say, hey, I'm going to stay behind in the tent. And I'm just going to meet with God. I'm just going to get on my face. It doesn't matter what anybody else thinks, what anybody else says or what anybody else is doing because all this all my mind is serving God and meeting with God and communing with God and praying with God and I mean there is an aspect of getting out of the tent and going but that's not our problem our problem I believe is that we're not going in the tent in the first place we're just listening to Moses or listening to me or listening to another pastor or another song instead we need to get our feet in the tent and in the presence of God and worship God ourselves. And this is from a heart this morning. I hope I know I, I, I know I speak too fast. I know I get I know I get excited. I know I remember my time. Oh my goodness, if we could become the type of people to stay behind in the tent, and we don't need Moses, nothing, because we are the temple of God, and Jesus dwells inside of us, and that could change, that could change BWC. It will turn your life around. I want to become a righteous person so that God hears my prayers, and it starts in the tent.